get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. St. Louis Blues have conducted their exit interviews with the players and they're getting ready for an offseason, a length of which they don't know. And the Blues' Poho, president of hockey operations and general manager Doug Armstrong, joins Carriker and Smallman on 101 ESPN, your home of the St. Louis Blues. Army, I know you've done a lot of talking over the last few days with the media. We appreciate you taking this time with us today. <laughs> How's your voice? Uh, we're okay. We're okay. Thanks for having me on. Army, well, welcome back to St. Louis. Um, from everything we're hearing, the bubbles environment wasn't necessarily ideal. So can you take us through what it was like living in the bubble? Yeah, I, I thought the NHL uh, did, did a great job. Uh, the security was very tight. So when you got into the bubble, you, you, uh, you know, I think I said earlier that I would be shocked if there was uh, one positive case uh, when we got in there just because of the, the stringency it is and the difficulty is to get in. And when you're in there, it's impossible to get out. And uh, so they, they did a really good job. There's no, obviously when you're in a hotel uh, environment for a month, there's you run out of things to do. But you know this is this is the new world, and uh, you know we get paid to to, to play hockey and, and work in hockey. So uh, I don't think it was anything that, that certainly factored into to how you how you how you perform. Army, I know you had a lot of work to do, and you were there for business. But what did you do to pass the time? Well, we, our hotel was connected actually to the arena. So there was, you know, initially when there was 12 teams there, there was three games a day. So you could just walk over, watch a couple of periods, go back to your room, uh, do certain things, make phone calls. So the, we actually watched a lot of hockey uh, live, uh, which is something you don't really get to do without extensive travel. So that that was actually quite nice. Uh, and you, you just find ways to, to, to get through a day and, uh, <laughs> you know, watch a lot of the Golf Channel and uh, just – you know, you, you just made it, made the best of it. Army, the big news coming out of yesterday's media session was the further surgery that Vladimir Tarasenko is going to undergo next week. Obviously, we all thought that Vladdy was going to come back in March before the league was shut down. And then we saw him in training camp and he looked good. At what point did you get a sense or did Vladdy relate to you that that shoulder was not where it should be? Uh I, I under I got I got information probably just just a, you know when we were in the bubble that it wasn't feeling as good as it could they were working to to do different things to to let, uh, get him to play and then uh, he just felt he couldn't go any further so we we got we shot some uh, imaging of it got him back home and uh, you know it's it the news wasn't uh, what what he'd wanted to hear what we wanted to hear so we're going to get back in there and and do some more work on that shoulder and get him back to 100% as quick as possible. And he actually issued a, an Instagram post last night saying that it just wasn't the, the initial surgery uh, apparently wasn't what the doctors thought it was going to be. So with that being the case, what's your confidence level in him being able to come back and be maybe not even what he was but a 30-35 goal guy? Well, my confidence level is high that he's going to put the work in and that uh, that he's going to prepare. Um, you know, you the information is is positive that if he gets this done and, and it heals correctly, that he should there shouldn't be any issues. It is the third surgery on the same shoulder in, in you know three years and around three years, and he's, he's closing in on thirty, so or if not thirty, so it's you know it's uh, th- things aren't it's just not a perfect situation. But if someone uh, 
uh, can do it. I know Vladdy can because of the work ethic he, he has and, and what he'll do to prepare to, to, to give himself the best opportunity. Army, we knew that a couple Blues players had tested positive for COVID before entering the bubble, and we know that that virus infects every person or affects every person in a different way, but how did it impact the way that the guys were able to condition to get ready to go? Well, when when a player was uh, tested positive, they went to quarantine, and quarantine is basically go to your home and then don't leave, get, uh, you know, eat there, get your food delivered, whatever you have to do, but also it's not to train. Uh, let let that sort of you know the, the, you're not doing yourself any good if you're riding the bike or or doing extensive exercises when when you have the virus. So they basically had to shut down for you know for the better part of a couple of weeks. And so whatever gains they had made, they they had, had taken a step back. Uh, and so I think it affected uh, their, their preparation mostly for for the the third phase when we got here, uh, and then. Uh, but I, I think we were we were close to to when, once we got through the the round robin games and we got into Vancouver. I think the uh, we we were ready to go, and uh, it was just sort of the preparation. I think the virus it, it it's it's the the unknown of the virus, and I think it had it had an adverse effect on on the players that didn't have it. Also, you're you have a young as I said, we had four or five players that uh, had children uh, during the the pause, or were going to have children, and you know, you're worried about your family, how it's going to affect you, and, and no one wants to take anything home. And so there was just a there was apprehension around our team. Now, I want to say I don't think that we were any different than the other team. Uh, I, I'm just going – I can just relate the experience that I felt around our team. I thought when we got to Edmonton, uh, a lot of those things went away because the guys knew that, that you know, if they got it, they were okay with it, but they didn't have to worry about spreading it to, to – uh, you know, infants and loved ones, wives, and uh, so I think they're. I, I thought when we got to when we got to Edmonton, a lot of those things that uh, uh, we carried with us uh, evaporated. Doug Armstrong, Blues President of Hockey Operations, GM, with us on the Voice of the Blues, one hundred and one ESPN, and Army. It, it's interesting to look at this team and hear your players talk about how they were really energized because of their style of play by having a crowd and how not having a crowd might have affected them more than other teams because of the style of play. Do you buy into that? Uh, yeah, I don't want to question what they're saying. So if, if, they, if they felt that, uh, that that affected them. Uh, at the end of the day, though, you're... There, there were 24 teams now. There now there's eight. Uh, whether that that was there or not there, you have to find a way to overcome that if you want to be successful, and uh, you have to adapt. And uh, uh, we obviously didn't adapt well enough to 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 beat a, a young Vancouver team, and they're they're playing and we're not. So I, I'm sure there are things that affected everyone. Whether it was bubble life, not playing in front of fans, you can go through a a whole list of things that were different, but I go back to it was no different for us than it was for Vancouver. Uh, Speaking of that, Army, uh, Craig Bruby in his postseason pressers was talking about how the only way that you can win in this league, and especially in the postseason, is if every guy is ready to go and gives you his best every single night. And he looked back to last season and said that's the reason you were able to win the Stanley Cup is because everybody was on board every single night. Why do you think it was difficult to capture that cohesion this season, this postseason? Uh, I just think our, our mentality going in, as I said, we, we, we seemed to get stronger mentally when we got there. Uh, I think teams were stronger mentally going in there than we were. So I think that, that had, that had something. I think that, uh, our preparation, 
you know, whether it was the players that, that, that might have had COVID or other players, we weren't in the same conditioning level we were in the past. And um, I think there's a whole host of, of things that went on. But if you if you just break it down in the, in the simplest form, you know, you look at hockey and probably four segments, uh, you have five-on-five play, both ends of a special team and goaltending. And I thought five-on-five play, I thought we were very good in the Vancouver series, and I think they would probably have had the edge on the other three. And if you went three out of four, you're usually going to win a series, and that's what happened. Do you believe that those other three items, by the way, which were really good during the regular season, are they easily fixable with what you have on hand in terms of personnel? Well, I, I think they are. And, uh, uh, I, again, we have to we have to view what, what happened in Edmonton as part of our season, and we have to view the 70 games as part of our season also. They're, they're, though they felt like two distinct uh, years they they weren't they were all uh, rolled into one. So there's a lot of positives that we got out there. I can take out of of the 70 games. Uh, but when you leave on a sour taste, you you I, I think you know you don't want to overreact to things that we saw there. Uh, but you don't want to under underreact either. So I think right now what we're doing is we're now pro scouting meetings, and obviously I had our staff watch our games. I want to get their viewpoint on on our team play. I want to get their viewpoint on individual players. Uh, Craig and I have had one conversation. We're going to have many more about about what he saw, what 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 we saw as management. Uh, so there, we 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 can't just. We won't just say, well, it was just a, a strange environment and, and, it, and there's nothing there we can gain from our failure. We have to learn from it and we have to get better. Army, obviously, because we're media and you're Doug Armstrong, we're contractually obligated to ask about Alex Petrangelo, <laughs> which we will in a moment. But I just said on the air, because of what's happened, Steiner getting older, Fabry not working out, uh, you guys at one time, I think, had the best set of left wings in the league. But now with those two not working out, with Patrick Maroon gone, I look at Jaden Schwartz is a really important guy for your team. Can you give us an, an assessment from your perspective with, with your trained eye of what Schwartz brings to your team and his importance to that group? Well, I, I would say, you know, leaving Edmonton, I thought our four best players were Shen, Schwartz, Perron, and O'Reilly. Uh, all, for all different reasons. Uh, but but Jaden is a player that, uh, you know, he just plays one way he plays the same way all the time he plays with detail he plays with energy uh he gets scoring opportunities sometimes they don't go in but he's someone that you know what you're going to get it's not he's not a player where you where you're sitting upstairs or probably if for Craig behind the bench you go well what's Shannon or what sports you going to bring me tonight you know what you're going to get I think he's a very valuable player for us and 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 I agree with you our our uh our left wing is is probably our our youngest position with with Sanford Blaze and and Barbashev there with Swartzy and uh, you know it's a, such a great opportunity for Sanford and Blaze uh, to to take a large chunk of a of a group moving forward that uh, I'm, I'm hoping they can do it uh, you know and Steiner to to your point uh, you know he I think he's coming back for his 16th year so if we're we we need to rely on Steiner to bring a certain thing to our group but it's not what he brought eight or nine years ago. Army, how would you evaluate Justin Falk's first season with the Blues? Uh, it certainly wasn't what, uh, you know, The if you just look at uh, ice time production, it's not what, what he uh, had hoped for and, and not what we had ho- hoped for. But saying that, too, I, I'm not sure that when, when he got here, we had a, 
we had a plan to give him something that sink his teeth into, meaning, okay, Justin, this is your job. This is what you're going to do, and this is what we need you to excel at. And and part and that certainly falls on us not giving him uh, uh, something that 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 was his. Uh, so moving forward, we have to we have to find uh, we have to find parts of our our overall team play that we need him to excel in, and, and he'll do that. Uh, you know, bring bringing bringing Folker in. I, I think we tried to play him on left. We were hoping that that that. Uh, Either Petro Falk or Pranko would have taken to uh, to the left side like a duck does to water. That didn't happen. So you know, it it, it was a it was a, a work in progress all year for for him and for us. Okay, now to Petrangelo, and I know that here we sit in 2020, and you're looking to 2023 and 2024. And back in 2017 and 18, you were looking to the off season of 2020, and you saw that Alex Petrangelo contract on the horizon. So when you make trades like you did for Falk, or when you sign Gunnarsson to the extension, or when you, uh, you put your puzzle together, I, I would have to think, Army, that part of that puzzle was with the thought that here's a premier guy that is going to be hard to sign. So a lot of moves you make are in case he's not back anymore. Is that correct? Well, yeah, I think, you know, as a, <clears throat> I think we said this, and I met with Alex uh, very soon after we won the championship in, in July, that he was a priority player for us, and we wanted to get something done. And uh, unfortunately, we weren't able to, and you can't, you cannot take care of the whole organization and hoping and waiting one thing happens. Uh, so whether it was the sign the trading for Scandinavia, Scandella, re-upping Gunny, uh, moving ahead with Shen, uh, do, doing those certain things. You know, it, it wasn't it wasn't at the cost of Alex, or we hope it's not at the cost of Alex. But we also had to make sure we were doing things that that were good for the organization, regardless of whatever decision that that, that he makes. Uh, with and, and we make together. Let's not. I'm not just pinning this on him. It's a it's going to be a joint effort uh, to to get him in the fold here and. I'm hoping to do it. I think I, I'm, you know, I, until he's not here, he's here, and, and 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 I want to keep him here as long as possible. But yeah, you have you have to you have to rub a crystal ball and and do the you know hope for the best, plan for the worst, and do some what ifs. Doug Armstrong, one last thing: How do you feel about this team? Whether you start in December or whether it's January, whether or not you have number twenty-seven on the blue line, is this still a cup contender in your mind? I believe it is. I think that uh, when we we acquired Bozak and and Perron and O'Reilly in the summer, uh, a couple of summers ago, we felt we were entering a five year window because we had we had Pranko, uh, you know, we we had Schwartz, uh, you know, we we're different guys that were going to be here for a long for a long number of years. This year, we have two players. We really have one unrestricted free agent uh, is Alex, and we we like to get that done. Uh, but we we think that. Uh, I, I like our team. I, I do. I I think I'm hoping that the, the reality is we're much closer to the 70 games than we were the last eight, uh, and that we learn from that. I think next year is going to be a lot like like the, this uh, this bubble hockey playoff format that we're in now. At that, uh, we don't like. This is the first year that I, that I've been in hockey that you don't know when that training camp's going to start. You don't know when the first game's going to start. Uh, you know. So you 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 can't prepare for you know you have to prepare like you're going to play and I I I say it's a lot like a lockout situation where you 
where you you have a date, but you're you're not you know, 100% sure it's going to come to that date, and you have to prepare mentally and physically like it's going to be there. And what what can happen for our group or for for any player is that uh, thinking you're not going to play, finding out you're going to play, and say, okay, well, I'll get in shape now. That that that's not going to work. Doug Armstrong, we always appreciate the generosity of your time that you spend with us. Thanks so much. Enjoy your off season. I'm sure that we'll be talking. And take care of yourself. Have a great day. Well, thank you very much for having me on, and take care. See you later. That is Blues Poho, President of Hockey Operations and General Manager Doug Armstrong. A lot of good stuff there. Absolutely. Great conversation with Army. I'm sure we'll recap it here soon. And I I always like to be validated by people that know what they're talking about. And so for all of my discussion about Jaden Schwartz, I'm glad to hear him say that Schwartz is an important part of this team. And that's just not a guy, Michelle, that they can afford to get rid of during this offseason. As a matter of fact, I'd be more inclined if I were them to try to re-sign him rather than move him on. That's Michelle Smallman. I'm Randy Carricker. Coming up, we've got The Fight on 101 ESPN.